This is WMPG 90.9 Southern Maine Community Radio from USM. In the Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the Black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In the Pocket. The overall mission of In the Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color that is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again, or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In the Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. Thank you listeners for tuning in to In The Pocket. I'm your host, Flo Edwards, and today our special guest is Tony Winston Antoine. Uh, Tony, please introduce yourself. Yeah, so Tony's my the name that I think the majority of people call me, but um, some people call me Winston, some people call me Antoine. Um, depending on the language that we're speaking, that could change, you know. Some folks call me Antonio. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know you work at St. Mary's. Um, um, I was trying to think of your official title. It was very long, so I've lost, like, I was like, oh, that's... I think it's a Garden Engagement Coordinator. Right on. Yeah. So you've always been, like, having a green thumb or good with your hands? Well, the, the green thumb thing is sort of new, but it is cultural. Cause, so my father is from uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and... He, I like to describe him as like a Trinidadian country boy. So he grew up having to like help his grandfather and his grandmother in particular um, take care of the animals and plants and stuff like that. And so that's something that sort of got like passed down. But like when he came to this country, he didn't have the same access to land and animals and stuff. And so like just, but he did take us fishing, right? So like now that I have my own house, and I have like the actual land and opportunity to have a green thumb and I have a job where um, it's connected to having a green thumb. Maybe I have a green thumb now, but it hasn't always been that way. Right on. So then how did you get the engagement or outdoor job? Like how did that well, come across? So the engagement thing is like, that, that's it, right? Um, they saw how passionate I was about like all things outdoors. Um, the fact that I seem to be really good at just like talking to people and try to like bring people into like my, my circle and like take them um like invite them to my house for like bonfires or go fishing or like all these other outdoor things um I think I'm really good at just like connecting people and so in terms of getting folks engaged um I guess I like convinced them that I could do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's great um so and let's hear about some of your activities so this fall did you get any deer any big this, game this past fall yes yeah. all right i got my first deer ever nice. um congrats i had um in the past i had tried to hunt deer but um not seriously this um so 2021 was the first time that i uh like took it seriously you know i was like waking up early i was going out late um i was contacting people that had more experience and asking a million questions um like what what ammo should i use um, I learned that I need to be paying more attention to my son. Um, I learned that it's not going to happen just like that. You really have to have dedication. 
I, I think I watched more deer than I than I ever got a chance to uh, to shoot at. Um, yeah, it was it was intense. One of like the most difficult things that I've done in my life. And although I've experienced success, I'm I'm never sure that I'll be able to do it again. <laughs> but I'm gonna get out there and I'm a damn sure try. That's right. <laughs> and and so like for hunting for deer especially, there's a, a lottery, right? Like you have to or you just get a Yeah, license. so they just changed it. Um so one you need hmm, you don't need a license for a gun. Um no surprise there, we're in the United States. <laughs> um but if you're going to be shooting at living things in the woods, then you need to get a license. And so they require you to have um, a firearms license, um, a license for like a bow. And then like if you need if you want to use a crossbow, you need to get yet another license. Um, and all of those things have their own training. So you got to do the training. And then once you complete the training, then you're allowed to get the license for um, the weapon or weapons that you want to be using. Um, yeah, you mentioned the lottery. Um, they changed it this year where, because um, they're trying to get more money, um, so you have to, you can pay for an extra uh, deer or an extra deer permit in a specific uh, WMD, so a specific wildlife management district. Um, but last year it was, um, it was different. You had to just apply, and I chose like three different um, areas where I knew I was going to be hunting. And I just, it was a lottery. I, I hope to be chosen for an antlerless uh, deer permit in one of those areas uh, that, I, that I chose. I, I got the permit, but I wasn't able to fill the permit <laughs> last year. Well, that's cool. So, and you said now that it's not a lottery or it is still a lottery, but you it is still like a lottery. Add. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not gonna do the lottery um, as soon as it starts. Uh, right now, technically, with the permits that I have, I can get three deer. That's more than enough deer for me to um, to fill my freezer and to share with people. My first deer, I gave more than half of it away. I uh, wish but we I... were friends. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, we could, I, we could definitely yeah. change that. Like, if I get lucky, um, I definitely have to think about, like, feeding myself first. Yep. Um, so I'll, I'll probably keep one deer for myself, and that's more than enough meat for, to last the entire year. The other two deer, um, I remember uh, calling uh, the um, IF... Um, the main department of Indian fisheries and wildlife to ask them like when was the last time that somebody donated a deer in the Lewiston area and and the woman told me it was a while back so like I would like to get a deer and donate it to one of the food pantries in that area and then um, the third deer I mean this is all a big if I may not even get one deer but if I can do this the third deer then I would just like quarter that up and like literally give it out to friends and stuff but I was definitely attracted to wanting to know more about what you do outdoors. Mm -hmm. My dad was really into that. Um, when we moved to Maine, he was former army and he was just like, well, if I could kill people, I could definitely kill animals. The you might be arrow. surprised. Yeah. I think killing the animals might be more difficult. It, it was. Right, yes. like, cause they, they're like, especially deer, right? They don't make mistakes. Part of the reason why um, we have certain seasons for them is because it's around uh, their mating season and that's what makes the bucks dumb. But like, they're they're prey. They've been hunted. They have like a really good nose. And like, from what I've learned, they don't make mistakes. They only make mistakes when hmm, when they're trying to mate. I can say that more like course uh, like <laughs> differently. <laughs> they're very human. They're very that. human when it comes to like mating. But other than that, yeah, there you you can't you can't run them down because um, they, they can run faster than you they can move and jump over things that like or, or just go through things like ghosts um, I remember like I've, I've tracked some deer and I'm like I can see how the uh, 
the footprints like went through the bushes and I'm like how the hell did it get through you know I can't get through this like they just move through things it's amazing like they don't make mistakes no human can do what some of these animals can do <laughs> right on so but um so was there a particular mistake that you actually witnessed with the one that you got this previous fall or I mean so it was a, it was a six point buck nice. um so I decided I'm, I gotta stop buying all this fancy stuff. I got like the um, the adult estrus, and um, I just started like I got like an old shirt that was like you know past its prime, way past its prime. Cut it up, and that's what I was dipping in the um, in the adult estrus, and it was a cotton shirt. Um, and I wanted to try and be like mindful of what I was leaving in the environment. Um, but instead of buying like the fancy like I, I don't know what they call dipper things, I just I, I, I did it myself, and it was so meaningful for. Um, for the buck to come into that right it knows the um it put its nose to the uh like the rag that i created and tied to um an overhanging branch uh, and that's how i got it um also the other thing that was very poetic about it um the fact that i found my first success at Dawood's farm oh wow and you know who Dawood is i do yeah yeah um yeah that was very poetic yeah. <laughs> and i know he's um i can't think of the name of the farm amawa Uma, Uma Gardens, I think, Uma is the Gardens. term that he's using. Thank you, yeah. Um, I know that he is in the process of getting, like, a USDA certified butcher. I think he's trying there. to do a lot of things. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, maybe they'll be able to clean your deer next time. Hey, we talked about that, yeah. 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 Well, now that I have, like, my own house, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where I'm going to hang this thing. But, like, maybe I can do it at my own house this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, how long do they have to hang? Well, I mean, I think if you talk to different hunters, they'll tell you different things. Like, I'm still sort of new to hunting deer. Um, but one of my mentors says um, you want to hang it at 34 degrees um, in an environment that's 34 degrees for two or three days. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, you, you need to get the skin off in order to um, release some, open it up, get the skin off in order to release some of the heat so it doesn't spoil uh, the meat and stuff. Um, and try to store it in an environment. Right, and you don't want to stack the meat on top of each other so it doesn't like bruise. Oh, um, yeah, you want it to breathe and stuff. Um, yeah, you want as much surface area exposed to like uh, like moving air or or cold air that is like 34 degrees, so like just below freezing, um, so that when you take it out to process it, um, it's still cold, right? It, sometimes it like it's it's cold to the point that it hurts to touch. Um, yeah, I, I, he said like hang it for two to three days, um, but I think if you were to talk to other hunters, they, they may tell you something different. Um, when it comes to me, like I'm not a snob when it comes to meat. You know, certain hunters will say you gotta cut it this way and this this is the meat um, that's good for this this and this. I'm like I'm just trying to eat. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to get really high quality meat and try to remove myself from like these capitalist food systems. Um, by, by living off of my own land and like trying to live in a way that's um, by, by living off of my own by my own hand and by my own means and trying to live in a way that's like that's very similar to how even my m most immediate ancestors lived. Right. So what other other um, animals that you were fortunate to um, I don't want to say harvest? But yeah, harvest. Yeah. That, that's the word that's used. Right. Okay. You're harvesting from the land, whether it's like fruits and vegetables or animals um so fish um i grew up crabbing that was my first exposure to the outdoors uh, catching blue crabs in baltimore maryland um and then fish came after that um i guess as i 
graduated and became like more of an outdoorsman. Um, then I started hunting. Uh, my first gun was a shotgun. Um, and I started off with that because my mentor at the time taught me that like with the shotgun, you can get everything. Um, and so I've done just that. You know, I have gotten, I've shot everything from squirrels to turkeys to groundhogs to deer with that very first gun. Um, which I, I mean, and I feel like um, since we are like mentioning, like since I'm bringing up guns, um, I feel like the need as a as a gun owner and as a responsible gun owner that like to say that we don't need high capacity magazines and we don't need assault rifles. Um, I, I just like I think there is a difference between an assault rifle and a hunting rifle, and like I just I don't I will never own that because I don't need that. Um, and like with some of the, the stopping power, like the, these hollow, uh, these hollow point bullets, like if you were to shoot a deer with that or shoot anything with that, it would completely destroy the meat. Um, and then it just becomes like killing for fun. Um, so I'm just like, I'm against the, the sale of, um, hollow point bullets to, uh, to, to average ass citizens. Um, I'm against like uh, high capacity magazines. It's just not necessary like if you have not trained enough with that gun that you need 30 to 50 rounds to take something out like you need more training <laughs> you need to put that gun down <laughs> and there is like training that is offered when you do hunting so that's mm -hmm. good to say but if you're getting those high assault weapons it sounds like there wouldn't be any technical training for that mm -hmm. for the average citizen mm -hmm. right i mean i mean you can find training for anything but like but it's not required. It's not, it's not, yeah. yeah. If you have a gun like that, you're not really trying, you're not trying to hunt and feed yourself. You have other intentions. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Tony. Um, my dad would also make bullets, uh, but he did a black powder. Mm -hmm. um, have you thought about that? I don't want to do that. Okay. I don't like his connection to uh, like uh, like the Civil War era weapon so like i'm this black person i'm like like i i'm sorry can i curse uh preferably not sorry about, that. <laughs> sorry about that thank you for asking um but like yeah i just it bothers me i'm like um I, I don't need to be going out in the woods and playing civil war we have technology that is more accurate and more efficient um for like for taking a life this isn't a game for me you know like yeah so I'm, i'll let other people do the black powder thing but i'm good yeah. yeah, he did it one because it extended his season. Yes, for hunting. Uh huh. So. The muzzle loaders. Yeah, and yeah. I think he liked just to do like intricate little things. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm gonna make my bullets and. I mean, like, also in terms <laughs> so, of like yeah. um, trying to like be like anti-capitalist, if you make your own bullets, that that's part of that. So like, there's there's there is something I respect to that. Um, the way that I um, extend my season is with um, archery, the expanded yeah. archery seasons. So. So have you gotten any or had success with archery front? I wanted to cry. No, the very first time I sat and watched three deer for maybe an hour, an hour and a half. Just sat and watched and they had no clue I was there. Um, I stayed true to like my training um, and just waited, 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 waited for what I thought was the perfect shot. At the time I had a uh, fixed broadheads, but after this experience, I've never gone back to it. The arrow had, um, the arrow sailed on me, it like danced in the air. Um, so now I'm going to mechanical broadheads that like expand upon impact. And so it's just a straight arrow flying through the air and the blades will expand when it needs to. Sometimes, sometimes they do um, misfire, but I'd rather hit the damn thing than like have an arrow 
dance in the air like I've never seen before. <laughs> wow, I wish there was video of that. That sounds cool. Not, not, it would have been embarrassing. Air, but... <laughs> but just seeing the arrow, cause then you could explain. Like, yep. Have you thought about once you feel like you're more experienced um, doing any like hunting courses for people or maybe, guiding? Maybe. I mean, I still, like, like I said, I'm not like arrogant um I, I do feel like i have a bit of an imposter's uh, syndrome um which could explain so many different things in my life but um i'm trying to find like mentors myself i'm still trying to learn myself um and i think i want to obtain a certain level of mastery before before i have the audacity to be like yeah let me teach you something i'm like let me get my own house in order before i start trying to arrange chores right <laughs> So I love your goal of like self-sustaining, um, anti-capitalism, really good mantra. For fishing, do you do fly fishing or what kind of fishing do you do? Just the, the, the cheapest um, is what I started with. But because like, man, there, there's another like cultural, uh, I guess, polemic there with uh, fly fishermen. Because um, in order to get, if I wanted to start somebody else out with fishing, I I wouldn't we wouldn't do this whole fly fishing thing because it is prohibitively expensive. Um, I think that technique works better with certain species of fish who are line shy or just like you know have evolved to be like all right I know something's up you know like I ain't biting that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I recently started fly fishing and only because a friend of mine gave me a fly rod. I I couldn't afford it. Um, it's also just like technically more difficult. Um, so I do both, but I think I currently have a preference for um, like spin reels, maybe bait casters, but um, fly fishing is, is really, I think it's geared towards like the sport and like relaxation and recreation aspect. Um, but me, just like a person of color who, I, I hesitate to say I, like I was impoverished because I definitely know that I lived in an area where like people had it worse than me, but like I didn't have it anywhere near it, like as good as some of the people I was going to school with. Um, but like my my relationship to the outdoors is like when it comes to like hunting, fishing, like I'm either trying to feed myself or feed my community. Um, it's not just let's get out and like you know traumatize a fish by hooking them in the mouth or like let's go shoot some things and like just put it up on our wall like i'm not i don't do any of that mm -hmm. i may put it up on my wall but i've like eaten the vast majority of it right yeah yeah have you are you making a, a rug speaking of decorating um with your deer um so along those lines uh, i was going to show you on, on instagram but maybe you've seen it um one of the deers that i slotted with Dawood. Um, I started painting. Oh, um, like the the fur? Not the or fur. The um the, the, leather, the, yeah. the I guess the, the leather side. Yeah. Um, and so like I started saving my groundhog groundhog pelts, um, and I saved um, one of my red squirrel pelts. Um, and I'm gonna do that same thing. Start like making works of art on it and just giving them away to people as gifts. I had already started doing that with uh, seashells. Something I picked up while I was in Martinique. Um, I went to like one of those touristy areas, and um, like it was a tourist trap. They have all these beautiful things, and I saw the shells, and I'm like, I could do that. I should start doing that, and I've been doing it ever since. And you're giving them away. You're not selling them. No, I mean I'm not doing it consistently enough to really be selling them. Um, it's really just like a, a passion when I have time, and um, yeah, I, I guess my dream would be like one day to. <laughs> 
have all of my shells across the United States in different people's houses, but like it's just I'm giving away gifts to people. Yeah. yeah. I mean art should be free and accessible, so that's awesome. Yes, but yeah. also artists should be reimbursed for like their yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, that's how I kind of feel about any art that I do. Like, I want to get it to a point where it at least pays for itself. Mm -hmm. Like, it pays for the supplies, um, not necessarily my time, but definitely the the cost of doing it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what else was I gonna say? So we talked about. Oh yeah, what does beaver taste like? Beaver. Oh, so I haven't tried my own beaver, but I was just at my friend uh, Casey's house, and he's a, um, a beaver trapper. Um, beaver tastes like beef. Okay. Yeah. Delicious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the, oh, then it's groundhog. So what does groundhog taste like? Uh, groundhog tastes like beef. <laughs> you know, every there's so many times where people say it tastes like chicken, but like beaver, because um, I've had it. I've only had it on two occasions. Um, and groundhog, I've lost count of how many times I've eaten a groundhog, but it, it tastes like beef to me. The first time I had uh, groundhog, because you never forget your first time, I like slow cooked it for um, for uh, I think 11, 12 hours. Um, and when you pick up a bone, the meat just like fell off the bone. Um, actually, I think I have a picture of that on Instagram somewhere too. Um, but it was, and, um, and it, it, I knew what they were eating, you know, because um, people oftentimes get annoyed with them because it's like, oh, it's eating my, it's eating my kale, it's eating my, uh, my tomatoes, and it's eating all of my organic vegetables. I'm like, that sounds like a tasty animal. Yeah. <laughs> tasty, healthy animal. I think, I think we should eat that instead of just killing it. Or um, I, I dislike when people will take, um, like there's a reason why there's an open season on groundhogs. They will just trap it and then relocate it for that animal to, to do damage to somebody else's plants, to somebody else's crops, to somebody else's property. Um, and I'm like, we, you should, you should kill it and eat it. <laughs> that's that's sort of the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it tastes like beef. So yeah, you know, beef is very. We're a beef country, that's mm -hmm. for sure. So yeah, I mean, God, it's so very problematic. Um, the way our relationship with like meat and, it's, and in particular beef in this country and if uh, more people were to hunt or rely off of the uh, the resources that nature gave us naturally um, one you would get a lot more healthy um, in the pursuit of that animal and you get a higher quality um, product that is also healthier for you because it's not pumped full of hormones or or you know that that animal had like free will and was eating what it chose. It wasn't just like forced to eat what was given to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, it might go that way. It might not. But I guess if you like had a little restaurant where you're like, I'm making this food, and then people would know like how good whatever groundhog is. I thought about. I was. I'm actually thinking about doing um, an outdoor Afro event similar to that where we do a picnic. Um, and I'll probably, I, 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 this may or may not happen. Like I have a lot of stuff on my plate, but I've thought about it. Um, like I thought about cooking up some squirrel. Like I've done uh, like pulled squirrel. And I made like a, um, this past Christmas um, at Trip Creek Farm, we made uh, a squirrel pot pie. Um, but like it, it would be amazing to get like a bunch of black folks together and say, all right, we're gonna have some deer meat. Uh, actually, we're gonna have different cuts of the deer. We're gonna have different cuts of the duck. We're gonna have, this is red squirrel. This is gray squirrel. This is groundhog. Um, this is this is a pike, you know, which is considered a trash fish. Um, I would love to do like a wild game testing, tasting as an outdoor Afro event. <laughs> nice. Well, speaking of outdoor Afros, you are doing that with Sama Abdurik. Uh, Sama had to step back um, for a year. Okay. Um, 
So it's me and Ivan from, Ivan is, is a current um, Bowdoin college student. Um, yeah, just, just me and him for the moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, being that it was kind of women-led prior and now it's like men-led, mm -hmm. do you see any differences or is that well, a Well, I thought question? a lot about that. Like, so <laughs> I hadn't, on the few trips that I've been on, um, I, I have noticed that there are a lot of women with children. And it made me think about, like, where are the men? <laughs> like, I know, like, oh, where, where's everybody else? Not just the men, where's everybody else? And so I'm hoping that, like, with my interest, because, like, Outdoor Afro teaches us, like, if you're going to do an event, you're not really interested in it. You're just trying to do it for somebody else. You can't really expect somebody else to, to be interested in it. It has to be something that you're passionate about. And so I'm hoping that, like with me here that like we can get more men involved or more like just like not even necessarily more men just like not just women with children other people period mm -hmm. um but I, I mean i also don't feel as qualified as sama to be like leading people so <laughs> but you're working on that you know you got to get experience and and you definitely care about the community so I, you're definitely qualified in that regard so don't don't have imposter syndrome with me sir okay <laughs> You're qualified. If you want to help people and share and educate, then you're definitely qualified. Um, what I noticed, because a lot of times I don't do it because that there, I know there's going to be children there, and not that I don't like children, but I kind of don't like children. Oh, you know I get what that. I mean? Like yeah. that's why I don't have any. Yeah. Like um, <laughs> because I just feel like they're just they need a lot of attention, and and then the outdoor things that I do, I'm not like a master at it, but I know what I can do. And some of the events that I've seen prior, it was built for women with children in the sense of, oh, we've got like a, a break of an hour and make sure we can have snack time and, and things. And it's just like, well, I just want to do the thing and then go. Like, I don't need it to be a, a five hour event when it's really just a one hour hike. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you've noticed that, but that's part of the reason why as a participant, I was like, well, I don't mm -hmm. want to necessarily be with a whole bunch of novice. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to be with somebody who's a beginner or intermediary, like mm -hmm. who has hiked before or done things. And mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of it is like, this is your first time. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, sometimes that, that can be, like, frustrating. Like, um, I think there have been events in the past where I'm like, I'm not going to pay to go to that. Like, I think there was a fishing event once, and I was like, I could pay to do that, or I can go fishing on my own. Right. <laughs> Wait, let me Google where they went. I'm going to go fishing without <laughs> having to pay for this. I got my own gear. Um, but, yeah, sometimes uh, I, that's why it's important to have, like, different perspectives and different leaders. Like, it's, it's kind of sad that it's only two men right now. Like, I would rather there be men and women or just multiple types of leaders to get those different perspectives to, to be able to um, try to uh, appeal to the, the wants, desires of everybody. But right now we have two men, so right. we're gonna do the best that we can do. Right. Um, yeah, having the children, um, or just like less experienced people in general can be frustrating, and that's why you need to have different activities um, and different types of leaders who, who are interested in doing and leading different activities in order to, you know, do the beginner things or do the more advanced things. Right. So how did you come across uh, taking over uh, Outdoor Afro in Maine? I, okay, what was annoying about that is that, like, I had so many friends who had known about it, and they just assumed that I knew about Outdoor Afro. And um, I had to learn about it from watching or, like, it was through Stephen Ranella. I'm He's a hunter. He has a show on Netflix. He does, he does a podcast. I heard it's mentioned Outdoor Afro, 
And then when I started asking my friends about it, they're like, oh yeah, I've gone on a trip. I'm like, you ain't tell me? What? How, like, how, I, like, I knew so many people that knew about it who had been, like, tangentially involved, but nobody, they just assumed that I knew, which I think is a problem. Um, and so, once I heard about it from, like, through, like, watching the Stephen Ranella show or podcast, something like that, um, I looked it up, I'm like, they must have one in Maine. And I was like, they do have one in Maine. Um, and there's an old bone professor that leads it. Like, how did I have all these connections to this without knowing it? I was, like, one or two degrees removed. Um, and so I went on a trip, um, and I thought, man, with all the outdoor stuff that I'm doing, um, if I'm already interested in this, I, I almost felt like a moral imperative. Like, it would be, like, morally wrong if I'm like, nah, I'm gonna just do this for myself. I'm like, I should be, like, trying to find a platform where I try to bring more people to do this because black folks have had the outdoors, like, ripped away from them, um, through, like, for, for various different reasons. And I'm like, if I can help, like, I should be doing that. Um, and so I, I applied, I got selected, and I guess I'm here now, and I'm going to do the best I can. Right on. <laughs> well, Tony, I've learned so much. Thank you for spending time with us at ITP. Uh, what's the plug? How can people reach you? Oh, man. I, okay, so I think my Instagram is W-O-A-J.T-O-N-Y. Um, so Woj Tony. Um, that's how, I think that's the best way to communicate with me on Instagram. Um, so there's a Facebook page. If you type in Outdoor Afro Portland, Outdoor Afro Portland, Maine. Um, there's also um, a meetup page by that same uh, by that same name. Um, but if you're struggling to find it, you can also reach out to me on Instagram, and I'll just like shoot you a link. If you like what you've heard and want to hear it again, or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm, or search in the pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show.